entered the book of Zechariah, Zechariah, right near the end of your Old Testament, Zechariah and chapter number one, Zechariah and chapter number one, and uh, some of the things I'm going to share with you tonight in this message are some of my favorite things to consider when I think about our God and I think about uh, uh, who He is and how He relates to you and I, and uh and so uh, this won't be a real strong preaching message, but I believe that it will sweeten our hearts toward the Lord tonight. Zechariah, and that's with an E, uh, right near the end of the Old Testament in chapter number 1. I'm going to read verse 1 just because it's got some names in it. How about that? And then we'll read together verses 2 and 3 and 4 in unison. Stand with me, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Zechariah chapter 1. And again, you join me for 2, 3, and 4. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers, Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Our text we draw from the third verse where the scripture says, right in the middle of the verse, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you. Turn ye unto me, and I will turn unto you. I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, our responsive God. Our responsive God. Don't you hate being ignored? You ever been ignored? And um, and uh, you feel a little foolish, don't you? You, you say, hey, there is he. But, uh, you know, God has a ready ear for us as his children. And uh, his eyes upon us. And uh, and uh, if, if, if you call unto him, call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to speak to you on that subject tonight. Our response of God. Father, thank you for this, uh, this invitation. So many of them in, in, in the Bible. Uh, where you call us unto yourself. You invite us to turn to you. And so tonight I pray that you will help us to see the heart that you have for us. And the desire that you have to be in fellowship with us as your children. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, you've heard my stories time and time again, but I want you to pretend like you've never heard this story, and I want you to laugh when you're supposed to laugh, and say, aw, when you're supposed to say, aw, all in favor, aye? I don't know if that was unanimous, but anyway, uh, I remember sitting on my bunk bed, and uh, I had some folks that said, you know, you ought to date so-and-so. Only problem was I didn't want to date so-and-so. And uh, Miss Terry Stallings had some friends, and folks said, you ought to date Brother So-and-so, except she didn't want to date Brother So-and-so. And so I was sitting on my buck bed, and I was trying to get up the courage to 
uh, to Esther for a day. And I got up off my bunk bed and walked down the administrative hallway. There was one little set of uh, dorms uh, in the end of the administrative hallway. And I walked past uh, several offices, walked past the demerit office, walked past Dr. Jorgensen's office, and walked past uh, Brother Stubblefield's office, and went around the corner there uh, where the print shop was. And just, uh, just outside the print shop was a little office, just a tiny little office, and where Miss Stallings had her office. And, uh, and I went there to, uh, to, to knock on the door and ask her for a date. And I walked down that hall. I got up the courage. I got off my bunk. I walked down the administrative hallway. I turned left at the end of the hallway. And I went to the door by the little office door by the, by the print shop. And I kept on going. And, uh, and uh, walked all the way back down toward the chapel. And I thought, what am I doing? And I said, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So I turned myself back around. Now I'm going, uh, I don't know what direction it was, but the opposite direction. I'm headed back now toward the, uh, back now toward the print shop office. And uh, I'm going to do it this time. And I get to the print shop office and I'm ready to not, and left, lost my courage. Now I'm going back down the administrative hallway, back toward my dormitory, all the way back to the bunk bed and sat down where I was five minutes before. And I said, I need some courage. And I was thinking to myself, what if she says no? What if she says no? Well, I got off my bunk again the second time, headed down the hallway. And by, by the grace of God, she was still in her office. And uh, I got up the courage and uh, tap, tap, tap. And she opened the door. And uh, I, I was in the bus ministry and had a, a division of buses, about seven routes. And and uh, and, uh, and uh, so uh, I we had a... We had a, uh, a, a bus, what we called a bus rally, and uh, and uh, it was a kickoff for the Springer uh, fall campaign, I guess with fall campaign, and uh, and uh, and so we would uh, have a nice meal and we'd have a guest preacher and some activities and things like that, and so uh, a lot of the young people, you know, would uh, ask someone for a date and you'd go to the uh, to the bus rally together, and um, and so uh, I, I I told her, I said, Miss Terry, do you have a date for the bus rally? And she said, why? Who wants to know? I said, well, I can't tell you. <clears throat> I can't tell you. Um, I promised I wouldn't tell. And I did. I promised I, I, would, I was not going to get a no. One way, <laughs> I was going to find out. She had a date. I said, well, never mind. But anyway, uh, uh, she said, well, who is it? I said, no, I can't, I can't tell. I'm just curious if you had a date. And we went back and forth. And finally, she says, well, no, I don't have a date. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, well, it's me. I'd like to know. And uh, she had in her mind that I was trying to set her up. And she's thinking about the different men who are bus captains in my division. She was like, I don't want to be set up with any of that crowd. And uh, anyway, but uh, 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 I said, it's me and I'd like to take you on a date. And uh, she said, yes. You said yes right away, didn't you? She was anxious. She was anxious to say yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, this story gets better over the years, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but anyway, after I got the courage up, he said, why'd you do it that way? Because I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want to be rejected. You see, uh, I'm an invalid. I'm an I'm a, uh, introvert. And I suck my thumb. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but I didn't want to be rejected. And uh, I, I didn't want to put myself out there and, then, and get a no. And, uh, and so uh, after I got that courage, the bus rally was still two weeks away. And so after I got the cur- uh, curse to do that, I, I was so I was so proud of myself, so happy. And, I, and then it was two weeks away. That seemed like an eternity. So I went back to that little office and said, hey, uh, listen, while we're waiting for that 
date to come. Would you sit with me in chapel and go to lunch with me? She said, sure. And, uh, and so we went to eat, we sat in chapel together and I got a lot out of the message that day. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, and we went to, we went to lunch together. I took her to, oh, I took her to a nice place. Took her to a nice place. We had a beautiful view, big pane glass window in the balcony of the dining hall, looking out on uh, uh, what they call the cattle chute, which is where uh, the covered walkway. Anyway, so romantic. Anyway, and uh, would you believe, would you believe what we had for dessert? We had, it's just like, a, it, we called it fluff. I, I guess it was like a mousse, maybe. You think of a mousse or like a, a whipped cream or something. And you know why we were having that. First, it's our first time together, first date we ever had. And we're talking and back and forth a little bit. And I get some of that on my nose. On my very first day. And you know, she never breathed a word. <laughs> never told me. I don't know how long it was before I realized. I sat there. I thought, man, if she still wants me after that, buddy, I'm telling you what, things are looking up. You say, why'd you go through all that? Because I didn't want to be rejected. Amen? I wanted to know that if I turned toward her, that she'd turn toward me. Amen? I wanted to know that she would respond. Can I tell you something about our God? You don't ever have to worry about if you turn toward Him, if He's going to turn toward you. Turn ye unto me, and I will turn unto you. Hey, let me tell you this. If there's distance between you and your God tonight, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Well, I just don't feel like I belong in that church anymore. Now, whose fault is that? You can blame everybody in the world you want to, but I got news for you. What happens down at the church house does not have to infect your personal relationship with your God. Amen? If Paul and Silas can sing praises while their backs are in ribbons in a dungeon at midnight, if they can have a relationship with God and tear-stained faces and joyful sounds and praise God and sing in a prison, I think maybe you and I could sing and praise God in a less than perfect church. Amen? Too many Christians blame someone else and they're out of the will of God. Listen, maybe someone else uh, did uh, disappoint you. Maybe someone else uh, did uh, 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 some injustice to you. But that doesn't have to affect you. That's not God's fault. That doesn't have to affect your relationship to God. God still loves us. Amen. You turn to Him, He'll turn to you. Amen. A man might turn their back on you. Somebody might betray you. Somebody uh, might not uh, uh, respond to you. But God. He's our responsive God. Turn over to Malachi, a few pages over toward the New Testament. Just a handful of pages. Very next book in the Bible. Go to the third chapter. Malachi chapter 3. He says in verse number 6. Malachi 3 verse number 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Boy, there's great security in that thought right there. Always the same. Oh, praise His name. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Aren't you glad about that? You know, some people call him up on the phone and say, I hope they're in a good mood today. But God's always the same. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and what? I will return unto you. 
return unto me, and I will return unto you. Our response of God. I love the little thoughts in the New Testament that suggests that our God, like you and I, wants to be pursued. We find in Mark, in chapter 6, without your turning to it, verse number 48, Jesus has been up in the mountain. He'd been praying, and he sent his disciples on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And uh, he said, I'll meet you on the other side. They didn't know he was going to take a shortcut and just walk right across the water. But that night, as they were crossing that sea, a storm came up, and they were afraid for their lives. The billows uh, rolled across that sea. And the Bible said in Mark 6 and four, uh, verse 48, the Bible says that they, uh, 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 he saw them, that he saw them in that boat, saw them in that storm. And here's what the Bible said, and he would have passed them by. Now, that's an interesting little phrase. He would have passed them by. Here Jesus has been up praying and Jesus is walking across the water and there's the disciples in the boat and, and they're fearful even for their lives and the storm is raging and Jesus is, he sees them and he's going to walk right on by them until they call out to him. And they call out to him and, uh, uh, Lord, is that you? He said, yes, it's me. Peter said, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. He said, come on. Come on. Now let me tell you something. Jesus was excited that they called out to him. Amen. Jesus was excited that they called out to him. We find that sweet little story after the resurrection in Luke 24. Jesus has gone to Calvary. He's been buried and now risen from the dead and all of Jerusalem is in an uproar. Of course, They paid off the guards to say that somebody stole his body. You remember that, right? And Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus. And I think it's a husband and wife. I think it was Cleopas and Mary. And um, Jesus in his resurrected form was not recognized right away by them. Just as as it was in the garden. Until he called her by name. But they didn't recognize him. And uh, he came walking beside them on the road to Emmaus. And... And uh, he said, what are you folks talking about? And they said, what, where have you been? Good night. The whole city's been in uproar for the last three days. And they started telling him all the exciting events that have happened. This man named Jesus, and he claimed to be the Son of God. And his disciples, and they all they took off. And, and they put him on a cross and crucified him and put him in, the, in, in a tomb, in a borrowed tomb. And now three days later, they say that his, his body's been stolen. His, the tomb is empty. And some say he's alive. And others say his body's been stolen. And, 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 and Jesus said, you know, have you ever considered that scripture over there in Psalm 22? And I'm sure he probably took them to Isaiah's prophecies. And I, I imagine he took them over there uh, to, to uh, Micah and, and other places. And, and, and he just taught, he just gave them a, a history lesson. They showed him some prophecy in the Old Testament. And I imagine that Cleopas and Mary said, well, that sure sounds like him. Wow. You think that might have been him? And he kept showing them verses. It came time for them to go off to the path to go to their home. And the Bible said this in that verse in Acts 24, 28, that the Lord Jesus, our Savior, he made as though he would have gone further. Now think about that wording of that. He made as though he would have gone further. 
Here's Cleopas and Mary, and they've been talking to Jesus. Jesus give them a Bible study. And, uh, man, and, and they, and, and it's time to turn off the path to go home. And they said, uh, uh, they tried to so say, we, we live down this, uh, we live down this path right here. And, you know, it's sort of late in the day. Sir, why don't you come and, uh, we've enjoyed the fellowship. Why don't you come and spend some time with us? And the Bible said, uh, he made as though he would have gone further. Here's what Jesus said. He goes, no, you all weren't expecting company. Uh, you, you don't, you don't want company right now. I'll be fine. I'll go on by myself. They said, no, no, we want you to come. He said, oh, surely not. Uh, you don't, you haven't had preparation for company. They said, no, we really want you to come. He said, okay, I'll come. <laughs> he wanted to come, but he wanted to know that they wanted him to come. That tells us something sweet about our God. Do you know that your God wants to know if you want him or not? Your God wants to know if you want him or not. Oh, I can promise you this. He wants to be with you. I can promise you this. He wants to fellowship with you. But he wants to know if you want to fellowship with him. I wonder how he must feel sometimes when we have no time for him. Time for everything else it seems in the world. We don't have time for him. Our God is a responsive God. Return unto me and I'll return unto you. James chapter 4 verse number 8 says it this way. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. If you'll, if you'll be over there, if you'll be the sinner. And you certainly make a good sinner. And I'll, I'll be the Lord over here. And, uh, and here we are and we find ourselves distanced from the Lord. And, uh, and, and he said this. You draw nigh to me and I'll draw, draw nigh to you. And so, and so actually, you know what? Uh, let, let me do this. Keegan, would you help me with something? Would you do that? Would you go over there and stand with Brother Hamilton real quick? And uh, this is actually Brother Brother Cook would be even better. I mean, he's not a good representation of the Lord, but at least at least for the illustration of the word. Now, here's here's he's going to represent God, right? And he's going to represent you and I. And we've gotten away from the Lord, and uh, and uh, and so and so you and I we take one step, and God takes one step, and we take one step, and God takes a step. And we take a step. How many of you know God's got bigger steps than we got? Amen. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He takes a step. And, and guess what? Hey, listen. You, you know who's more anxious to get together? God is. He's more anxious. Listen. He's more anxious to fellowship with us than we are to fellowship with Him. Thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. He said, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Listen, you take the first little step. You take the, you, you, you take the first, you just turn. Oh yeah, just turn. He said, the prophet said, turn, just turn, I'll turn. He said, return, I'll return. He said, draw nigh, I'll draw nigh. Sounds like God wants to be in fellowship with his children, does it not? He responds to us. He responds to us. Let me show you an interesting passage. Turn to Isaiah chapter 54. We know that God's ideal is one man and one woman for life. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We also know that in the Old Testament, because of the hardness of the hearts of the people, uh, God allowed Moses to write a bill of divorcement because hearts become hard. Hearts become hard. But here in Isaiah, in chapter number um, 54, we find something very interesting about the nature of our God. Are you there in Isaiah, in verse number 54? Look with me, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, verse number uh, 7. Isaiah 54, verse number 7. Here he says, For a small moment have I forsaken thee. Wait a minute, pastor, wait, wait, wait. I thought the Bible said he would never leave us nor forsake us. 
Tis true. He promised such in Hebrews 13, 5. But here he says, for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. Look at me. Can I tell you something? You know why you get angry? Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm so mad at so-and-so. I said, I'm glad. I'm glad you're mad. You still feel something. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not as worried about the person who feels nothing as I... Uh, I'm not as worried about the person who's angry as the, one, uh, as the one who doesn't feel anything. You understand? When you get to the place where you're past feeling, when you get to the place where I don't care at all, I'm not even... I don't even angry anymore. Oh, that's a dangerous place to be. But God... Listen, the Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. And in a little wrath, verse 8, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee... For a moment. But with everlasting kindness. Will I have mercy on thee. Saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For a small moment have I forsaken thee. Maybe you've done that as a parent. Maybe you've done that as a parent at a department store. And a little child stay with mama. Hold mama. Hold mama's lapel. Hold, hold, hold daddy's jacket. And then all of a sudden little one starts taking off this way. Hey come, hey, come back over here. Come on. Hold on now. Hold right here. Hold my finger. Hold my hand here. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and they hold on a little while. And pretty soon you feel it. And uh, maybe you get busy looking at something. And, uh, and all of a sudden you realize they're gone. The little child's gone. Maybe they're hiding under a clothes bin or something like that. And maybe you as a parent to try to get their attention. You step around the other side of the clothes bin. And the little one pops out. <laughs> and just about the time terror strikes their face and they realize mama wasn't there. And about the time that blood curdling scream comes out, mama says, uh, you looking for somebody? <laughs> now let me tell you something. Listen now, listen now. Do you know God in heaven sometimes hides himself from us to help us realize we need him in our lives? Oh, listen, let me show you something even more amazing. Turn to Jeremiah in chapter number 3. Jeremiah in chapter number 3. Jeremiah in chapter number 3. Look at verse number 8. Jeremiah chapter number 3. And I, and I, in verse number 8, and I saw... When for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. It's talking about the northern kingdom. Talking about the southern kingdom. The ten tribes of Israel. The two tribes of Judah. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks, with uh, idols. And yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but uh, feignedly saith uh, uh, the Lord. And the Lord uh, said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words to the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep my anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. 
and has scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And you've not obeyed my voice, said the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Yes, you did read that correctly. Yes, you did read that correctly in the Old Testament. Here God talks about idolatry as being, he, 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 he uh, speaks of idolatry as being spiritual adultery where you are, you are unfaithful to your God and your love becomes divided and you love a false God instead of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And you chase after wood and stocks and, and, and idols and so forth. And God said, for this reason, I have, I have divorced you. I've separated myself from you. But he follows to the, to the man of God. He said, go back and preach to them. Come back! Come back! Come back! Listen, God divorced himself for a season from his people. Why? One reason. To drive them back unto himself. Turn to Psalm chapter 20. Psalm chapter 20. Oh, I love this verse. We'll begin at verse 1. Psalm 20, verse number 1. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy sacrifices and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. Interesting phrase in chapter, uh, in verse number four. He said, grant thee according to thine own heart. Grant thee according to thine own heart. You know what God is saying? What's in your heart? How badly do you want a relationship with me? How far do you want to go with me? In his book entitled Revivals Are Born After Midnight, A.W. Tozer makes a wonderful observation that God... We can't impress God. You can't get God's attention because you deny yourself and stay awake and force yourself to stay awake. But God does respond to the desires of our heart. My dear friend, I believe this. You can have the Spirit of God in whatever measure you truly desire. There is opportunity if you want Him. There is opportunity to be filled with Him. Now, that didn't require you to be up after midnight. But those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit are often known to have searched for Him in the dark hours of the night. You see, God will go as far with you as you want to go Him. You know, a lot of people want to, a lot of people treat God 
like a casual boyfriend or girlfriend. I'll just yeah, come say hey to you once in a while, and then I just go about my way, do my own thing, and I'll come back a little. But let me tell you something, my friend. If you want to be close to God, you've got to be committed to God. Personal close relationships start with commitment. In Psalm 63, some of the sweetest verses to be in all the Bible, the psalmist said, Oh God, Thou art my God. Thou art my God. You know, some of God's people need to settle that. God is my God. He's, he's my God. He's not my God when, uh, when, when the bills are paid and when all, everybody in the house is healthy and when me and my spouse are getting along well and my boss is being nice to me. No, he's, he's, he's my God all the time. He's my God if it's raining. He's my God if it's snowing. He's my God if it's hot and dry. He's my God. Amen. And if you want the fullness of God in your life, if you want a closeness to Him, if you want those big steps of God coming your way, uh, then, then you, you need to make a commitment. You need to say, God, you're my God, period. Uh, uh, no more question marks. Uh, 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 no more question marks on your character. Listen, I, 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 may I submit something to you? If, if God butchering His Son on the cross to pay for my sin and yours, it's not enough to prove that He loves you and I, then you can't be convinced, friend. Well, I just hope that God loves me. Take a look at Calvary. If that won't convince you of God's love, you can't be convinced. Let me give you some thoughts here. Number one, God is the initiator. God is the initiator. Do you know that God loved you and I in eternity past? Did you know that? The Bible clearly says we love Him because He first loved us. Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I ordained you. Uh, 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 God knew us. According to Psalm 139, the Bible says that in, in eternity past, uh, uh, God uh, had some books. Uh, I read to you. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance... My body was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. We were made out of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2-7. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members, my fingers, my toes, my eyes, my ears, my hair color, in uh, thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance... In the proper time were fashioned, determined, molded into a form in the, uh, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Do you understand that in eternity past, God had a set of books and, and, and you, you, he's got a set of books for you and he designed your feet and your toes and your fingers and your nose and your ears and your hair. He designed you in eternity past and when it came time uh, and God said, let there be light, there was light and God put the firmament there, the waters there and he made the earth and he put the, put the uh, dry land there. God took all the things that he needed, all the substance that, uh, that he needed for you and I to be formed one day. He put it in the dark. And in the right time, God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. In eternity past, God already figured what was needed in the dirt. He put it in the dirt. 
And then he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And Adam looked just like God had planned in eternity past. And there's a set of books in heaven, and one of them's got my name on it. There's a page for my nose. There's a page for my thumbs. There's a page for my index fingers. There's a page for... There is a book, and God put our members in that book. You and I are not an accident. God in eternity past thought of us and loved us before we were ever created. God is love and made man as the object of his love. He is the initiator. That's not all. This God who initiated a relationship with us has also pursued us. He has pursued us. One of the most fascinating truths to me is Acts chapter 2 and verse number 2, which speaks of Him, Christ, being delivered up, listen to it, by the determinate counsel of God. He's talking about being delivered up to those Roman soldiers. Delivered up to die. And Acts chapter 2 says that the determinate counsel of God, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in eternity past had a council together. And before the world was spoken into existence, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had a plan that man would be created as the object of his love and God would initiate love toward the crown jewel of His creation, mankind. And in eternity past, he, 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 got, he got these books and He put our members in those books and He knew what we'd look like and knew what our personalities would be. And in eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit decided to give His crown jewel of creation a free will whereby man could choose to love Him or reject Him. And knowing that some would reject Him, He went ahead and made a plan whereby man could be rejected redeemed and in his foreknowledge he saw once that plan of redemption was fulfilled that some would receive him and some would reject him and God all knew all that the determinate counsel of God God was pursuing you and I in eternity past before we were ever brought into existence God's been chasing us for a long time he is the initiator and he is the pursuer that's not all Number three, he has and does believe in us. I have him a little handwritten notes here. Us in in quotations. He believed in us. Listen, in other words, he believed in this relationship that he desired to have with us. Listen, you've made decisions like that in your married life. We're going to do this for us. Because this is better for us. This is healthy for our relationship. You've made decisions such as that for the sake of your children. I remember um, uh, 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 I remember uh, Dr. Ray Young, as you know, one of my dear friends and mentors. And really, he rolled mine. I love him dearly. And I remember numbers of times telling the story. He was eight, grew up in, in, uh, in, in rural uh, Louisiana. And an avid hunter and outdoorsman lived at the end of a dirt road and a bus worker came by and brought him to church and he got saved. His life turned, turned around for God. But he had, he had daughters. He had, he had daughters. And he had guns, lots of guns, lots of guns, hunting. He loved every kind of hunting, fishing you could think about. He loved it all. And then one day he realized, as his little children, little girls, 
He said, you know, if I'm going to have the time my little girls I need to have, he said, I can't, I can't be the hunter I'd like to be. And to remove the temptation, that man took all of his guns and sold every one of them. So he'd spend time with his girls. You know what he could say? He could say, sweeties, daddy did this for us. You understand that? He did this for us. That's something dad loved, but dad said, no, no, that's something I want more than than, than this. I want us to succeed. I want us to succeed. And can I tell you something? God has believed in us. Consider Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us in that, listen to it, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And listen to me, I do believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for the world. And I do believe that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I do believe the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. I do believe, as Hebrews 10 says, that He died once for all. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for every person who's ever been and ever will be born into this world. I believe He died for all of us. I believe He suffered uh, uh, for the just and the unjust. He suffered for those who would be saved and those who would not be saved. He made an opportunity, I believe, for everyone to be saved. He suffered even knowing while we were yet sinners. Still, He commended, He demonstrated His love for us. He said, I'm going to that cross. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I already know some of you will reject me. I already know that. But I, but, 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 but it's worth it to me. I'm doing this for us, He said. I'm doing this for you and I because I want a relationship with you. He has believed in us. And then lastly, He sacrificed for us. For God so loved the world that He, next word, gave. Genesis 22, 8, God, Abraham was walking up the top of Mount Moriah. Isaac had the wood. Abraham had the the fire. Hot coals, perhaps. And there was uh, the instrument whereby the sacrifice would be made. The wood. And Isaac said, uh, Dad, said, we've, got, we've got the fire here. We've got the wood. We've got the knife. Where's the lamb? And what did Abraham say? God will provide himself a lamb. What was he saying? God himself will be our lamb. And that's confirmed in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, when it says Christ our Passover. Christ, our Passover Lamb. Aren't you glad that the Lamb of God in eternity past, the Bible said He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yesterday I witnessed for an hour and a half to a Mormon man. Oh, pray for his soul. 87-year-old Mormon man. And just so close to believing on Christ, but so mixed up. And uh, and he said, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that I believe in Jesus and I believe He died for us and I believe His blood can wash away. But I don't believe that He could wash away sins in the future. I just, I don't, I don't understand how He could do that. I, I think He can forgive me of my sin now. And I tried to say, sir, good night. He died 2,000 years ago. If Jesus can't forgive sins in the future, then none of our sins can be forgiven because all of our sins are in the future. He died 2,000 years ago. 
Let me tell you something. It wasn't just 2,000 years ago, my dear friend. In the confines of time, it was 2,000 years ago. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is the third, per- he is the second uh, person of the Godhead. He's always been. He always will be. A virgin shall conceive a bear's son. And His name should be called a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. God uh, is the everlasting Father. Jesus is the everlasting Son of the living God. He's always been and He always will be. And the Bible says that uh, He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world before God said, let there be light, Jesus Christ, in eternity past, not bound by time, not bound by spaces, you and I, was already the Lamb slain, already paid the price, already demonstrated His love for you and I. Oh, listen to me, my dear friend. You can be as close to God tonight as you want to be. He's the initiator. He's the pursuer. He's the one that believed in your relationship with you. And He's the one who has sacrificed for this relationship with you. If you're not close to God tonight, that's on you and that's on me and no one else. Turn you to Him. And He will turn to you. The story of the prodigal son is not the story Of a lost man getting saved. It's the story of a son. Who, when he came of age, said, I want my inheritance. Ungrateful son. Ungrateful son. Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ has washed away your sin and you've been born into the family of God, we ought to walk in humility and gratitude. This young man was disrespectful. Give me what you owe me. Give me mine inheritance. And his father gave it to him. The Bible said he put it all in a sack. He bound it up. That means if he had, I'm sure he inherited part of the estate. That means he had to sell the estate, his portion. Collect the money. And how smart he was, he put it all in a bag. That's not real smart. Take your whole inheritance, put it in a bag, and go walking down the road someplace you've never been before. You're... I don't think it was. I don't think he was twenty-five yet because his brain wasn't fully developed. And the Bible said he went and took all, went in the far country, right? And what? Spent it all in riotous living. One day he found himself in a hog pen, and he fain would have eaten the husks which he was feeding the swine. He looked at look at what he, he looked at the slop he was giving the swine. He said, "Well, I'd like to have some of that." And then he thought, the Bible said he came to himself. He said, what in the world am I doing here? How did I get here? And he said, you know, the servants back home have it better than I have. At least they have a place to sleep and food to eat. And he said, I'm not worthy to be called a son. He said, but I'm going to go to my father. And I'll say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son, but maybe could you hire me on as a servant? He left the hog pen, started home. And the Bible said when he was a great way off. He wasn't back yet. But he was headed back. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him. And he came running. He came running. I wonder what was going through that boy's mind as he made his way up the path. And he said, Dad. And he saw his dad just running 
And the Bible said he got to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and took him home and said, Hey, my boy's home, my boy's home. Hey, kill the fatted cat. We're going to have a cookout tonight. Amen. Put the ribs on, put the steaks on, and get him a new suit of clothes and get him a ring. Put a ring on. My, that was his lost. has been found. My son is back home. My son is back home. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? You may be far, far away from God. But if you'll draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to you. If you return to Him, He'll return to you. If you just turn to Him, He'll turn to you. And if you head home, He'll come running. He'll respond. Are you as close tonight as you wish you were? You can be. Would you bow your heads, please?